form. Hello, everybody. It's Saturday Night Live with the Hoaxbusters. And here we are, ready for another show to do a lot of talking. And uh, we got a lot of things to bring into the show tonight. We got some people that'll be coming on, and it should be uh, it should be fun. But um, first of all, we're going to talk to Miss Diane, because she is in Framingham. <laughs> she is at the house, my house. And uh, she's been working very hard today, right? A lot of work being done today. And, um, and not only that, but uh, she's the realtor. She's been the realtor today, too, because yeah. we, we had kind of like an open house. And uh, oh, a lot of people showed up. Hey, the, the house is a mess. There's crap all over the place. It's not a type of house you want to show to people. It's not uh, right open now. house ready. That's for sure. It's not open not house yet. ready. But that's right. I wanted to get people in there at least to see the bones of the house. And and I have to do it when someone's there. And Diane's there. And uh, she had some help today. And, and Lisa came and she helped. And that was very helpful. Our friend Harold came over. He, he actually contacted me this morning and asked because he knew I wanted to get some Walmart goods. And so at eight o'clock, he came over and took me to Walmart to get uh, 20 more boxes and a protein drink, which I've been living off of. And, uh, and then, and then he came in and, uh, and helped, uh, whatever I needed done, he did it. Yeah. And he's, he's a heavy lifter. So I yeah. needed his help. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was good. She, she, I mean, she got a lot done, but it was very hectic. See, there's a house down the street from us that I just found out it's being sold too. All right. Very unusual. Two, two families on one street mm-hmm. being sold. And it's a nice house for, you know, I mean, but showroom ready. I mean, they. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Yes. I mean, it's, it's really it's really quite nice. Um, and anyway, they're, they're selling that, too. And what happened is we got the, the residual down to um, our, our house. Those people that went to see that house. Ended up coming down to see house. Well, so, some of them were referrals from people that you had already spoken to. Yeah, yeah, but I, but it was because of that house. Oh, you think so? Well, yeah. He told one of the guys said there's a house for sale. I didn't know there was a house for sale. Right, he told me. Right. Okay, so anyway, so that brought in you know a good amount of people, and uh, tomorrow there might be more people showing up, and uh, you know we'll see how it goes. But this is I just had to get people to see the bones of the house. That's and, right. That's you know, right. once they see that, then we we could deal with that later. Because again, there might not be anybody there next week or the week after. So whatever, we'll deal with that. So that's the house situation. Diane really did a tremendous job. Um, doing, I mean, that was a lot for her because you know doing you know showing people around too. You're trying to clean, trying to get things done. Uh, but she got things done, and uh, hopefully, you know, we can get you know sell the house, get the hell out of premium. So. Anyway, uh, do we have anybody that's coming in the show at this point? Is there anyone there, Diana? Okay, we got to get somebody there. All right. All right, so what, what we're going to do. Murray. Uncle Murray. Okay, 
What we're going to do then, Diane, if you want, do you want to do a review of the book right now? Yes, I can. Okay. So what we've been doing is we've been reviewing the book, um, uh, The Six Million Fact of Fiction, Peter Winter's book. The one right behind you, to, your, to yeah. your right. Yes. So I, don't, I didn't bring mine with me. I just tore the pages out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to, Diane's going to, uh, you know, it's only, what, 10 minutes maybe that you do the review for? Yeah, it's a short chapter. It's on the Nuremberg War Crimes Trials. Okay. So we're going to we're gonna talk about chapter, what, three? Four. Chapter four. Mm-hmm. We're going to deal with the Nuremberg Trials. Then Diane will get that done. She might just stay an hour in the show today because she she's probably pretty short. I mean, Tuckered. I just, She's tucking out, I know. All right, so why, why don't you get started with that? If anybody comes in, we'll just have to deal with them later. I almost feel like, you know, in the beginning of our Bible study, I almost feel like we should pray. <laughs> because I, this is, this is, these are issues of truth that, that Peter Winter has done. Anyway, it's just kind of a feeling I had. Anyway, it's the Nuremberg War Crimes Trials. The sex, this particular section discusses the legally flawed Nuremberg War Crimes Trials did not prove the Holocaust. The Holocaust storytellers like to claim that the Nuremberg War Crimes trials proved the mass murder of Jews in open court. In reality, nothing of the sort was ever proved, and the main charges did not relate to at all to the alleged mass murder of, quote-unquote, alleged mass murders of Jews. The actual indictments at the main Nuremberg trials were as follows. Participation in a common plan or conspiracy for the accomplishment of a crime against peace. Planning, initiating, and waging wars of aggression and other crimes against peace, War crimes, crimes against humanity. <clears throat> and all legal experts have dismissed the Nuremberg trials as a farce. And <clears throat> Jim talked about this. People were charged based on hearsay evidence and for crimes such as waging aggressive war. By nature, war is aggressive. The Soviet Union, which had invaded Poland, Finland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, all or most of these except for Poland, and I guess Finland, were um, allies with Germany. While an ally of Nazi Germany sat on the judges' panel, and and while Soviets were an ally of of Nazi Germany, sentenced German leaders to death for invading Poland. In normal legal systems, as we have come to understand, it's an established legal principle that no one can be charged for a crime that was not a crime at the time the act was committed. In other words, that no one can be charged retrospectively for an act which was not classified as a crime at the time it was committed. The Nuremberg trial indictments are clearly a major abrogation of this principle, a fact what led famous British Field Marshal Bernard Montgomery, victor of Battle of El Alamein, a rival to General George S. George S. Patton, um, to remark with reference to the Nuremberg trials, and this is what General Montgomery, Field Marshal Montgomery, had said that he no longer wished to lead any armies because it had now become a crime to lose the war. <laughs> and he's absolutely correct. If Germany could be charged for invading Poland on September 1st, 1939, uh, main charge of waging aggressive war, then why were the Soviets not charged for invading Poland? That was pretty aggressive. In fact, it continued to be aggressive after the war. <clears throat> over And also again, aggressive war over its invasion of neutral Finland. On November 1939, nothing was said of the seizure of Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia by the Soviet Union in June of 1940. The third charge, that of war crimes, was equally outrageous, according to the definition used as 
at the trials, a war crime was a serious violation of the laws and customs of war. First of all, if this was in relationship to um, <clears throat> the two, uh, the Hague conference and uh, the what was the other one that um, all, the, all the thank you. The Soviet Union didn't sign on with that, by the way. Uh, the mass allied bombing of German civilians started by Britain. Was it, and of course, we talked about this. Was the Germans retaliating after months of nightly bombing? Was certainly a violation of the laws and customs of war, as were the mass rapes of German women carried out by the Soviet soldiers in 1945 in their march toward Berlin. And the fourth charge, crimes against humanity, was vaguely defined as a result, uh, vaguely defined as in by the Nuremberg Trials as acts committed in execution of, or in connection with the aggressive war. So aggressive war is used again therefore constituted crimes against humanity. As a result, it's untrue to claim that the Nuremberg trials proved the Holocaust because that was one of the, re- one of the responses about this. Even much of the evidence produced at those trials has long since been accepted as false, particularly with the rules of evidence. The next section talks about Nuremberg courts rejected all normal laws of evidence, and we talked about that. The legal charter under which the Nuremberg trials were established was signed at the so-called, I love how Peter Winter, you know, you, you can hear the, the, you know, the, the quotes and the, and the sarcasm, London Conference by representatives of the four victorious allies on August 8, 1945. This charter officially the United Nations Agreement for the Prosecution and Punishment of the Major War Criminals of European Access, lodged in the UN records under reference this particular reference explicitly stated that all normal laws of evidence were to be suspended. For example, Article 19, char- the Charter openly stated the court would not be bound by technical rules of evidence. It was a free for all, it was chaos, but they got to control the narrative and the rules. In other words, any allegation at all without any supporting evidence whatsoever could be laid before the court and would be accepted as true without question unless they didn't want the information on record. The legal principle which this regulation undid is known as corpus delecti, the body of evidence principle, which holds that a crime must be proved to have occurred before a person can be convicted of committing that crime. We talked about that in the introduction. In other words, in an ordinary court of law, a person merely making an allegation of wrongdoing is not accepted as proof that the wrongdoing occurred. In the case of such an allegation, the court must also see physical evidence, the body of evidence, that the crime actually took place as claimed. And of course, all this was hearsay. The rejection of this principle by the Nuremberg trials was nothing short of scandalous and completely undermines its claim to have been an impartial body judging the evidence when the majority of the people uh, involved with the Nuremberg trials were Jewish (laughs) and the communists as that their definition of an impartial body. The next section talks about Nuremberg courts rejected any evidence exonerating the accused. The founding charter also ruled that the tribunal had the right to reject this evidence at all, which it did not like or which might exonerate the accused. In summary, the Nuremberg trials broke every established law of evidence and arbitrarily decided what the defense could present. In fact, Germany still does it that way. As counter-arguments to the flurry of unproven and unprovable claims made in the court. At the same time, any claim, no matter how far-fetched or incredible, was accepted as fact. 
without being questioned or with the defense even being allowed to question these facts. The entire legal process was therefore an awful hoax and cannot under any circumstances be held to have proven anything except that it was a biased show trial meant to exact revenge upon the losers of the war. And they get to determine who the losers of the war were also. Now, talking about the Katine massacre, we have we have talked and discussed that before. How the Soviets tortured Nazis to obtain confessions. Now, we understood that it came out that the Soviets were were guilty of having uh, killed the, the Polish officers, a huge number. Um, and it, this number he quotes as some 22,000 Poles. And that's an example how the entire post-war trials were a hoax, came with these proceedings. Uh, the NKVD, which is a precursor of the um, KGB, in 1940, uh, uh, the 22,000 Poles were executed through individual shootings on the direct order of Soviet leadership. An order for the executions was signed by Stalin in person, and the bodies were buried in the Katyn Forest, 12 miles west of Smolensk. And the, the, uh, the Germans discovered the graves in 1943, and they actually had, their, they appointed an international commission consisting of forensic experts, staff from various countries, and uh, to carry out a full investigation. Even though the evidence was overwhelming that the massacre had been carried out by the Soviets, when Soviet forces retook Smolensk, they appointed a new commission which blamed the Germans, destroyed the Red Cross-built cemetery in the Canteen Forest, and removed other evidence. Under these conditions, it's little wonder that the so-called Nazi extermination camps were all located in Soviet-controlled parts of Europe rather than Western Europe, which was open to inspection by dissenting inquirers. And Jim has talked about that uh, the Western allies were not allowed into the Polish camps under Soviet control for 10 years. It's a lot of time to create a, a narrative. And then the last one discusses official Holocaust journal admits Soviet torture used to obtain Nazi confessions, even confessions that the Germans had committed the Katyn massacre. Okay, that's good. So uh, I'll just go a couple little points here. Uh, okay. I think I think the biggest point about the Nuremberg trials you're putting on tri- you're putting people on trial, and you're accusing them on. For, for waging an aggressive uh-huh. war, but not everybody. Yeah, but it's just the Germans. I mean, but it's okay. It's okay for the Allies to bomb 150, 160 cities, innocent German cities. All right, not not for uh, military, military right? Just you know, civilians. They they can bomb those cities, but for some reason, that's not an aggressive war. Okay. No. No, that's merely collateral damage during a war, you see. Yeah. You see the difference? No. Yeah. Well, anyway, let, again, these are things that are not taught in school. No one knows anything about it. Everybody thinks when they talk about the Nuremberg trials that everything was done by the book. And, yeah, they convicted these uh, 20, I think it was 21, 22 people. And, uh, and, hung know, hung them. And, and the biggest thing about this, too, when, when you have, well, first of all, it was a military trial and they put civilians on trial. Mm-hmm. You just you can't do that. That's not something you do. But they did it. So civilians were being tried. Um, and they basically had had no defense. They, they couldn't present any information that would show that they were innocent. 
and any information, no information came in. I mean, they just didn't present it. Um, and yeah, Jim, uh, also, you should mention that they were all tortured. Were, were, uh, 135 of the 137 uh, guys that they they had, they, they their testicles were smashed beyond repair? Well, that, that probably happened to other the Germans later. I mean, you know, I'm just talking about yeah. the Nuremberg trial now, okay? That, that, I don't think that happened to any of them. Was, these were the major, major guys that, that were put on trial here, high, the real higher-ups. And but, the, but here's the really big thing, okay? When you're sentenced to death, usually you you have an appeal process, right? You you get sentenced to death, you have an appeal, appeal, appeal. That's what that's what happens today, but not them. Within a week, they were hung. <coughs> all the, all, I think twelve of them were hung, right? Within that immediately, immediately, immediately after the the sent that you're, I mean, um, you just do, you don't do stuff decision. stuff like that. Why do they do that? Because Dead men tell no tales. Mm-hmm. That's why they they had to get rid of all the evidence of the non evidence. You yeah. see what I'm saying? I mean, there was there was no evidence that the Germans committed these atrocities, so they had to kill them so that they couldn't come up later to present their information later by writing books or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they just wiped them all out, mm-hmm. and and no, of course nobody cared. I mean, there was no defense at all. For these people, and you know, even to, and, and then a couple of them committed uh, suicide, right? Um, what was it, Goebbels? I, I'm trying to think, Goebbels. Well, anyway, a few of them committed suicide. Uh, Goebbels did, yeah. Goering went to trial, and when people would would uh, testify, they, these other men would testify of the atrocities that were committed. He just, um, he he would not hesitate to stand up and, and denounce them. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he he committed suicide too. Gurry did. I thought he did, didn't he? I don't think so. If if it looked like suicide, it was because it was one of those three gunshots to the head, and they call, said call that suicide. I think it was more <laughs> imposed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, anyway, they um, they'd rather they you know they'd rather commit suicide than go to this ridiculous uh, you know trial. And, and uh, deal with that, you know what I'm saying? So, yep. anyway, that was, uh, you know, there's, a lot, there's so much to this Nuremberg trial. Yep. A lot been written on it. Uh, you know, what's his name? Uh, there's another fellow, Carlos. Um, Montano. Montano. No, Carlos. Porter. Um, Porter. 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 He wrote a whole book, uh, Not Guilty at Nuremberg. If you want to look up a book, go look at Not Guilty at Nuremberg. And plus, he's he has, I think, even a website that, has a whole bunch of information on his own little website uh, dealing with that topic. So, but again, no one's no one's going to go back in the history books to look up this except us, because no one's going to care, right. because every everybody wants to make it look like the Germans are the bad guys anyway. And forever, forever, and, and ever. forever and ever. And uh, the Allies, they, they got a free ride here because they mm-hmm. they should have been brought up on on uh, you know crimes, war again, crimes, you know, absolutely, war crimes. Yep. But they weren't, and they they got away with it. But they again, they took all the attention and put it on Nuremberg, so it took the attention from them, and, and also, also took no- the well it took the attention off the atrocities of the Soviets. There was a serious cover up regarding that. Thanks, right. Diane, okay. for so putting that up. Book there, yeah, uh, not guilty at uh, Nuremberg. Uh, it's not that big; it's only sixty pages. It's, it's a short book, you know. But he's he wrote quite a bit about it. And if you go, if you do a search for for um, his name, 
Carlos Porter, you'll see he's got, got a lot of information on the on the internet about it, and you can look him up there. So, anyway, we'll be continuing on uh, next week with the yeah. uh, more of the book, chapter five. Right. And, uh, you know, again, that's that's the book that we think you should have in your arsenal of books. Uh, the Six Million Fact of Fiction by Peter Winter. Uh, some people think he was a uh, ghostwriter uh, or whatever. I don't. I don't know. For I mean, somebody I, else, somebody else. Well, I mean, ghostwriter means that he was, was. Well, he he was using a name that it's not really him. You, you know, I mean, someone was just using that name, Peter Winter. I don't know. Well, I don't know what, yeah, a ghostwriter is somebody who writes for someone else, but they don't use their name. They the, the other person gets takes the credit for it. Okay, well, whatever. But uh, I, I because I you really can't find much information on this Peter Winter guy. I couldn't find anything. I mean, maybe there's, I haven't looked lately, but uh, when, you know, when I did, I, I really couldn't find much about him. I want to interview him if I, if I could have found him. I, but thought I, you, I thought you tried to reach out to him when he did his first book. Well, I, I, right. That's what I'm saying. I, I never heard from him. So I don't even know if he's, you know, again, people write books and they use a different name. All right. That's what they do. So that, that could have happened with this book here. So I, I really, really don't know. Okay, Miss Diane, that was good. Uh, again, we'll continue on there. Yep, All right, now, um, what do we want to do next? Here, we got um, Uncle Murray. Do you want to? Do you want to uh, continue on with something? Since you're in the queue. Oh uh, sure. Uh, hey guys. Uh, to the Bay. Good evening, host boxers. Uh, Hi there. Hey, so. Uh, I, I found out yesterday that Elon Musk is going to use Grok. Now, I'm not a fan of this AI crap at all, all right? But when I heard this story, I heard, you know, this is a good idea. What they're going to do is they're going to use Grok to examine the Senate bills that they submit. Grok can read all of those stupid pages and actually give you a result of what the bill is being submitted entain- and contains. Mm-hmm. Imagine that, right? I've, I've so think about that. this. Yeah. So. Did you hear a couple of days ago, the Satanic Temple submitted a bill and now they're legally able to go into schools and hire chaplains? What kind of crazy crap is that? Yeah, that they exactly. let like that happen? I'm so not sure you thing, want your kids in the schools anyway, but there's another reason not to. Yeah, homeschool. Right. I, I have a for homeschool myself, you know. But this stuff, I mean, bills submitted so the Satanists can, can go into schools, it's a complete inversion of reality. This whole yeah. thing is just stupid. Yeah. So thank you, guys. Just wanted thank to get you. That. Thank you, Uncle Murray. Okay, thanks. All right. Um, anybody else in the queue? We don't have uh, Henry there or anyone else that said they might be there? You can take your articles. You can discuss your articles now. Yeah, well, we'll just we'll just move on. Okay. Until 9 o'clock, till after the commercial station okay. break. Okay. All right, so we're going to talk about some things here that I've been sending some links to that I've been coming across in my travels, which I think is uh, important. Um, all right, where's this one here? Satanic That's the temple. one that Uncle Murray just talked about. Oh, oh, okay, okay. We got that. All right, we can. I guess we can move off of that. Um, let's see what else we got. Cook it in the queue. Although <laughs> um, they were... I, I, an inquiry was made of how the weather is up here. Yeah, how how's the weather up there? Cold days? and rainy, but yeah. snow is not in sight. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it was about it was about eighty here, seventy eight degrees here today, sunny. So it was nice cold day. and rainy there. 
<laughs> right. Well, anyway. Okay. Um, the, again, stuff that's happening in framing, I mean, you can understand why I want to get the hell out of there. It's it's yeah. so bad. It's and incredible. Back. Yeah. So, so what, what they're doing here, they ha- they're having a, an advisory council, and they're, and they're setting it up, getting people on it. But again, they, you know, it's, look who's on it, okay? You, you got Asians, Blacks, Brazilians, Hispanics. And remember, most if, if you're in the Brazilian community or the Latino community, a lot of these businesses are going to be illegals. I mean, that's what they're oh, going to be. Oh, sure, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so, I mean, they, they're just doing whatever they can to help the illegals in the town. So now they're giving them, you know, instead of kicking them out of the town, all right, giving, saying, see you later, hit the door. No, come on in. Yeah, you can open up your business. Yeah, you can, you can be an illegal immigrant or a refugee or whatever, open up your business here. And, uh, I mean, what do you do? You know, they, they love this stuff. They think this is great, you know, that they, they do this because whatever you can do to help the illegals out, this is what we're going to do. That's how they feel. And you wonder why the, the town's like it is. And there, there's nothing you can do. Dan, did you get uh, Henry Babado's email today or yesterday about uh, MCIR? Me? Oh, well, you're you, on his, are you on? Are yeah, you on I'm on his email list. Okay, I well, he said, I he said that I got an email from either today or yesterday, and MCIR is the Massachusetts Coalition for Immigration Reform. Now, these we used to be kind of in this group, you know, but in the remember, Joe and I were doing all this stuff by ourselves without them, and you know, we found this group out, and then we we kind of you know. We, we, we gravitated towards it, but we were doing our own thing. Because what happens is uh, the, the, the groups get infiltrated. They get infiltrated by, by the Jews. And what do we come to find out? That's exactly what happened. One of the, one of the guys that took over the group, I don't, I don't know what's going on with it now, but he, he took over the group. He was a Jew. And it's like no surprises there. All right. So anyway, that's the, that's, what happened with that group of people and that you know i said to him because you know they're they're trying to fight the uh, illegal immigration problem in framing well actually massachusetts and i'm saying how the hell are you going to have any say in this matter when the the state wants them here the towns want them here Every the government encourages them to come here pay for them and you are gonna fight you are going to fight against illegal immigration. You you think you, as a white guy, is going to have a say to stop these people from coming here when mm-hmm. every government function from the top down is doing whatever they can to help these people. And that's why this article here, yeah. as, ma- as migrants arrive in mass, volunteers step up to offer housing. They've got so many folks. There's got to be, in my opinion, at the at the time I was saying there was at least three hundred thousand illegal immigrants here anyway, and now they're bringing more in. So there's got to be about four hundred thousand. Who the hell knows? So I'm assuming your former governor Baker is opening up his house to them, yeah. as well as your um, uh, governor Healy right now, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's what I heard. Well, <laughs> the, the point is, they're at you know 
what's happening is you get these, you know, liberal loony birds. I think I talked about this in my walk and talk today, but I'll talk about it again in case anybody didn't hear it. Um, so, so think about it. You're, you're inviting a refugee. Let's say, let's say a refugee from Africa, you know, who's, who's lived in a hot or lived in a real poor situation and that you're going to invite them into your house to stay. They, they don't know the customs of right. America. That's right. And I know, and I brought this up. Uh, I remember years ago when I was in, you know, a friend in Boston and she was telling me that when the immigrants were coming in then, and I'm talking 20 years ago, okay, they didn't even know how to use a toilet. Mm-hmm. She said some of them. She said what they would do is they would take, a, they would get a box and put a box outside and throw all the toilet paper, all the dirty toilet paper in the box. <coughs> they didn't know you're supposed to throw it down the toilet. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, can you imagine living? So now these people come here and, oh, I'm going to, I'm a, you know, I'm a person like this woman here. Like, oh, I'm going to help all these immigrants and I'm going to, I'm going to put them up and I'm going to put them in my house. And I'm saying, <clears throat> good luck with that. Mm-hmm, for sure. You know, all, all of a sudden, you know, Hey, uh, you know, all of a sudden you see a, someone, hey, what, what, why are you bringing that pig into the house? <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that's not very sanitary. And they've done this too, folks. There have been some people that were caught slaughtering their pigs in the house or, or, or you know, doing something with the pigs, you know, on the kitchen table, cutting them up or whatever. Maybe they were killed first and they brought them there later and they cut them all up on the kitchen table. Still but this is what they do. This is yeah. what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's, it's just not compatible. The, 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 the uh, refugees, migrants, immigrants, whatever. Uh, a lot of these people, they don't know our customs. They don't know how to do certain things. And it's going to be a problem. And I, I say, good luck, all you liberal loony birds who think you're doing everybody a favor. Yeah, if you want to bring them into your house, great. We'll see how that works out. You know, then you then you're going to see then you're going to see other problems. Is, is this something? Hey funny? Jim. Oh, go ahead. Uh, hey Jim. Yeah, in Canada, there's some kid working at a McDonald's. He said the N word in front of his coworker and, and ended up beheaded. Oh really? He, he ended up what? Beheaded. Oh, they cut his head off. Yeah, Wait, right, right there. Well, you know, uh, some sometime I, I can get you the story if you want to see. It was pretty gruesome. Well, that, wow. well, that one time where that Chinese person on a bus trip uh, killed a guy and started eating him. I remember. I remember that. I don't know if you remember that or not. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's uh, we have more things to show, but we got Monica that's going to be coming on. Awesome. So that's good. Awesome. Hi, Monica. There she is. Hi. Yes. Hi. Just Greetings. unmuted. Greetings. So how you been? I've been very well, thank you very much. All right, that's good. So we figured we'd bring you on. Maybe you can update us because uh, Alfred got out last week, right? Yeah. Yes, and he maybe, did. Maybe yeah. So maybe you can tell us uh, what's going on. Well, he's in fine form, and uh, he's in high spirit, and it's middle of the night now, and we actually did some shows today, so, it, yeah, he's he's gone to bed now, but it's like, I don't know. Oh, no, we, we, we didn't expect him on anyway. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. That, but anyway, 
yeah. yeah, he's he's in fine fine form. I mean, like he says, you know, because somebody's asked, "Oh, are you gonna, you know, move somewhere?" Like, you know, he says, "Well, everywhere we're we're all occupied by the same, you know, and and the, these thought laws and speech laws." He says, "I I break every single thought law and speech law I can <laughs> as often as I can," and and mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we all have to, we all have to, because we were saying this today that they are not going to stop. They aren't going to stop unless until we stop them. They yeah. they don't just back off suddenly. Say, okay, I guess we've done enough. You know, we've been rascals long enough. We're going to back off now and and be oh, nice right. now. And sure. you know, we're going to back off. No, they're they're accelerating this. Like the the laws, they're popping up every day. I don't know if you've heard about the new online harms law that's they're trying to bring in in Canada, and they you know they tout it as being all to protect the children and you know it's all about the children oh yeah right when's the last time they were trying to protect the children right oh and then in the afterthought afterthought oh yeah we're also going to prevent hate online and you know this their hate is what they refer to when they're talking about anybody pointing out with you know or or influence in our society or you know their responsibility anything that they happen to be doing even if you just point out exactly you know the names the the people yeah. who are like they they brag about these things right when when they talk about their their control and ownership for example of, of hollywood or whatever they brag about it but if we point out these things then oh that's hate that's okay, hate and they're they're them. wanting yeah yeah, yeah, they're wanting to bring in this online harms law, which is going to, you know, make you go to jail for a couple of years or whatever if you've been guilty of that. And uh, the the noose is tightening, so this means everybody, everybody has to get up now and and stand up, do something, stop cowering in silence stop thinking oh i don't want to rock the boat and i don't want to lose my job so i'll just be quiet i see what's going on but i'll just be quiet and everything's gonna turn out okay because i'm still eating and i still have a roof over my head so it's all gonna be okay no everybody has to do something now everybody has to stand up don't leave it to somebody else especially online right okay so so let me understand this so that would mean People posting things online, having a blog online, or this anything. new law. Yeah, this new law. It's not in place yet. I think they yeah. did first reading, is what I've seen. But you know how these things go. I mean, they sure this is their their intent. I mean, there's all kinds of new laws. What's the other one? That, oh, Bill C sixteen forbids discrimination on basis of gender identity and gender expression in and i don't know i think this is a provincial one here in bc so in vernon which is a town in british columbia the province where i now live a middle-aged man in a change room of a pool with teenage girls and the pool staff had to say yeah that's okay because otherwise they would be breaking the law this bill c16 which forbids discrimination on the basis of gender identity and gender expression. So the pool staff has their hands tied. At least they think they do. They have their hands tied and don't kick out this man who's in the change room with teenage girls. Maybe the teenage girls don't need to attend this thing. 
I know I'm just saying this is, that would be you something. know what? You could say that the teenage girls don't need to attend this. We're erasing women off the, off of the planet. We're erasing women from sports with all this. No, Diane, it's not up to the teenage girls to say, we're not going to attend because there's this teenage, there's this middle-aged man in our change room. No, they should get him the, <clears throat> I know, out. I know, but that would be one <laughs> thing that the teenage girls could do. That would be a protest. Would they be in trouble if they protested this? Well, of course they could protest it, but I'm I'm not sure what what I mean. Yeah, of course they are probably. Of course they did. They went to the staff and said, "Hey, there's a man in our change room," and this was well, the we response. Shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't tolerate that crap at all. That's what it is. We shouldn't tolerate any of this lunacy anymore. Exactly. By the way, hi, Monica. Hi, Nothing. hi. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, I'm just giving you another example of this is going to continue. It's going to ramp up. It it is Bolshevism 2.0. I do believe that things were this insane in the Soviet Union before they unleashed their orgy of of killing and torture and murder of tens well, of millions. Well, here's, here's here's my question. Okay, let's just take that situation. Okay, the girls are there. And and this it's a transgender guy, so it's it's a a girl that became no a, a guy, guy that is saying he's a woman now, right? Claiming, yeah. Okay, so yeah. it's a guy. He's claiming he's a woman. Okay, so now what happens if just a regular guy he walked in there and he he, did, was, he, did, he is he is there's no difference, Joe. Oh, no, uh, no, no, but but, no, but the yeah, point I know what is, you're saying. I was just saying if he. If he's not claiming he's transgender, he's just walking in as a guy. Could a guy walk in there and do that and get away with it? Could he say, I feel like a woman today? Exactly. And I think, I think that's exactly what this man did. Like I just took a few notes down. Okay. I mean, he, he might just say, Oh, today I think I'm a woman. I identify as a woman. He's got all his, all his uh, parts intact and he's in the change room. I mean, it, it, this is how it has, this is for real. I'll tell you something else. I may have t- mentioned this once before, and I have this from friends who live in Prince George. And so this is a firsthand story from them. I guess it's secondhand because I'm secondhand now, but it's from people that I know directly. Yeah. Their adult children are in a college there in Prince George, British Columbia. That's Northern British Columbia. It seems to be like a blue collar town. There's lots of industry there. So you'd think it's, it's not one of these lefty towns, but we're infected everywhere. Okay. We are infected by this disease everywhere. So they had, guess what they had in their washroom, a kitty litter box because of people who sometimes identify as a kitty, a cat, Mm-hmm. I, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Uh, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I I saw I saw I saw this video yesterday. This guy he's he's dressed up as a baby. He, he's you know looking like a little baby with the hat on, and he has a diaper bottle. and everything, yeah, right? Diaper, and, and he has his bottle sucking on his bottle, and he put he put that video up on the internet. <laughs> can you? I mean, can you? These people are nuts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> mentally right. ill. Mentally ill. Oh, jeez. Oh. Right. Okay, we, we yeah. got CB in. He's going to give us some thoughts. Okay, Monica, hold on there. All right. Oh, hello, CB. hoaxbusters. I, I got I, I got something special. I want a little joke, a little little. Uh, maybe it's a, an anecdote. I want to tell. This is uh, for Monica. Monica, oh. I hope you forgive my Canadian accent as I do this. Okay. So it's a boot, nineteen seventy two. 
And uh, the head of the RCMP goes running up the stairs to Pierre Trudeau's office, and he's banging on the door. He says, Prime Minister, eh? I've got some good news, and I've got some bad news, eh? So uh, Trudeau says, Monsieur, please, what is the good news? He says, well, Prime Minister, the good news is we caught Mick Jagger after he urinated his name into the snow in front of your house, eh? And he says, well, monsieur, that is très bien. What could be the, how you say, bad news? He says, well, Prime Minister, the bad news is it was in your wife's handwriting, eh? (laughs) 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 Canadians love that story. I bet they do. Good one, good one, good one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I wanted to. Uh, yeah, well, I guess Diane. I guess you, I came to the show a little bit late. I guess you are you up in Framingham there, up there in Massachusetts. <laughs> there? Yes, sir. Is that where you are? Yes. Oh, you're at the yes, house. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's uh, that... freezing your ass off in the. Uh, oh no, town. not really. It's very mild, and you know it gets down to about thirty, gets up to forty-five. That's what our winters were like. And there, at this point, no snow in the forecast. They're very glad about that. And it's supposed to stop raining uh, t- tomorrow, uh, and then uh, not not start again until I think Monday night. So, and that's and that's good because we've got some stuff going on Monday. So, uh, did you get to see uh, Lori um, or uh, uh, Miss Kaufman at all? No, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> well, I just thought maybe you might have uh, got to see her. So I don't know. Did you? Oh, you you posted that I think, Jim. That uh, thing with uh, her young Turks talking about her. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was quite a video. I didn't. I didn't know a lot of those things, and uh, I, oh, I, that's yeah. terrible. I, I had heard Jeff Rents mention that she's having some health issues. I didn't know she has the uh, the cancer. Uh, that's that's very sad, unfortunately. Well, that that's what I heard. Uh, I I don't know really what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, she's out there, and she's been. Um, talking to a lot of the a lot of the podcast guys and uh they're getting the you know she's getting some good you know uh coverage from it so that's good so whatever you know she lives yeah, in boston saw, right right yeah in, in uh in dodchester, <laughs> dodchester. <laughs> yeah. yeah sometimes you think and i have said this not very often because i can understand, I can understand Jim, but I mean, some of these people with this New England accent, they really need subtitles if you're going to talk to them. Park the car in Harvard Yard and get a drink of beer up at the Bad Bastion. It's wicked good. <laughs> you start watching too many candy videos. Those rednecks in Maine, you can't understand a goddamn word they say. <laughs> really. Wow, can, can you can you now give us a Newfoundland accent? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how. So so that one is a kind of a tough one. There was a movie I saw years ago called The Shipping News with that pedophile. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kevin Spacey. They did a pretty good one in that, but that that's a tough one, Monica. That's I, now. What, what would you say my accent is? Is it more BC or is it more like a Manitoba? A <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't answer. I don't know. I know, right? Uh, What's it all about, eh? Do a bit of Zuid African. In the South Africans, they talk like this because they've got those flat veils and they talk like they these fucking blacks. They're always fucking things up. <laughs> so that was. Uh, that one, again, but these these certain specific regions, now that's a little tough. But the, the, there is the Quebec accent, always, you know, the, the oh, Quebec yeah. down here. That's hard. very French. You, you have special talents there. That's pretty yeah. good. Well, it's it's a life. I, I was fortunate when I was young. I did a lot of traveling with my family, and we got to see a lot of nice places before they became, you know, brown and uh, diversified. Oof. So I got oh, to see a lot up, of. Uh, 
Right. By the way, hey, CB, nice to nice speak to, to you. Yeah, yeah, nice to speak to you, too, Uncle Murray. Uh, I, I enjoy a lot of your uh, your commentary and all. Did, did anybody, I guess uh, you guys also, I, I don't know if you were discussing earlier, Mike King was on with that, that brain-dead taco eater, Nino Rodriguez. That I <laughs> oh, thought was yeah. interesting, talking about the Fuhrer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't really, an idiot. I'm not a fan I, I listened to it a little bit. I didn't really get a chance to see the whole thing. Uh, but uh, anyway. So, so you didn't go to Framingham, huh, Jim? I, I have to take care of the ranch down here. Well, it, it just was an onerous trip. In fact, when and Lisa had uh, come come to help me here, she, she drove an hour and then drove back in the rain to go back. And then she was here for, for uh four hours doing some pretty intense work said concerning Jim, it was good. You did not come up here with the, with the stuff that had to be done. You wouldn't have been able to have you follow us around and tell us what to do maybe. But as far as, as uh, actually putting your hand to something that is, it's very strenuous. I'm tired. I'm tired. I I got, I got pains. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're talking tomorrow's going to be a back brace day. Yeah. So, <laughs> Boy, they. Yeah. So, CB, what do you got in the news? Anything good in the news? That you uh, you know, just, just the stuff that we were bringing up. I mean, you know, the usual, the Jews are Jewing and everybody else is trying to pretend it's not happening. And, uh, you know, that, that awful massacre of those Palestinians. And, you know, and again, I don't, I don't personally, I could care less about the Palestinians. They're like number 457 on my list of grievances right, right. with the Jew race. But, you know, not only I think it's wrong what's happening to them, you know, why the fuck should we pay for it? Especially when we've got Americans who are starving, Americans who don't have health care, Americans who have problems, who can't feed their kids. You know, and it's just it's disgusting. And this is what these asshole, uh, the funny hat mafia or the, the small hat mafia is doing. They, they love and then what's going on in, in Canada with what Monica was talking about. That's nothing new. Unfortunately, they've been doing that shit for uh, at least as far back as I can remember, 25 years at least. Um, and then it's just, it's, uh, it's upsetting, but the good news is people are waking up all the time. Last week I was invited to a, uh, a social gathering where, um, they wanted to talk about these sort of things. And of course I have a little bit of an advanced knowledge, I guess. So I, uh, went and enlightened some people and red pilled some people. So people are waking up, but of course the, the more the people that wake up, the more the system is going to push harder to try to shut it down. You know, Oy we have to shut it down yeah. because the Goyim know. And we can't let the Goyim know. Well, I noticed that Trump is moving ahead with his, he's taking all these uh, caucuses in these states. Obviously, they're going to vote for him. And and uh, he'll walk right into probably being the Republican nominee, I would imagine. Oh, of course. And of everybody's going to everybody's gonna put their trust and faith in him. And um, look at, I look at Trump this way. He's definitely better than what you got, but he's not going to be good for us. Okay, that, that's all I'm saying. He ain't going to help us out any, you know. No, no, there's no, no way in hell. No, he's a, there was there's a guy. So uh, my friend Don Jeffries has his podcast on Fridays and then today. And there's a guy, a Hispanic guy, based in New York, who's supposedly a truther, but he's clearly anti-white, and he always has to, you know, start the whole Trump thing. And I said to him, I said, you know what, you don't. I, I mean, I said it in the chat. I didn't, I didn't call in. They don't take call-ins, but I said to him, you don't hate Trump because, or I said, you hate Trump because you view him as a quote-unquote white supremacist. Trump's not a white supremacist. Trump is a Jewish supremacist. There you go. Okay? He doesn't give there a shit go. about yep. white people. He's a Jewish supremacist. And all you blacks and browns, all you want is for white people to be doormats for blacks and browns. That's all you give a shit about. So that's why you hate Trump so much, because he actually like pretends to care about white people, which he doesn't. 
And of course, the Jews, you know, and, and everybody else is always bitching about human rights and all. This. Yeah, but not for white people and Palestinians in their own country. So it, it's it's all a big fucking cliche. Yeah. But you know, I, this is my my opinion, and I'm not making a prediction. It's just my opinion. I don't think they're going to have an election. I mean, they can't because the the establishment. There's nobody that they can feel to to get to. Uh, you know, they tried with this idiot Nikki uh, Haley, this lunatic. They yeah. had Ron DeJu, you know, Ron DeJu, Dick Sucker Santos finally threw in the towel and came back right. to Florida. And uh, so, you know, they can't allow Trump to get in there. Not that Trump is a good guy, but Trump is too much of a, of a wild, narcissistic asshole. And then they just clearly don't want him. So what, what I think he's there for, and I've said this before, he's there to guide these MAGA tards who would probably be, you know, less angry if Hamas had attacked, you know, small town USA than attacking Israel. Um, to go and fight with all these tranny fond nutcases and all the invaders and everything. That, that's what they're working on. So that's what so, we, so you, I, think, I you, you think you think Trump you think Trump is is not going to get in? I mean, uh, get the Republican nomination? Is that what you're saying? No, I think he will, but I don't think they're going to allow oh. the election to take place. Well, what how how the election to take place? How do you stop an election? Well, you could do anything. They got all these false flags, but they can pull. You know, you saw that there was the stupid bull shooting. Well, I, actually, excuse me, correction, the uh, the Taylor bull shooting, and then you had the. Uh, that they'll do any number of things. I mean, they are desperate to to really. To be honest with you, I don't. I'm surprised every day that when I wake up and the lights are still on, and the, <laughs> I don't hear the crackle of gunfire down the street. That's how bad things are. It's not that I'm wishing for it, but it's it's, it's how bad yeah. it is. So I don't, I just don't see it happening now. Could I be wrong? Sure. I I don't do predictions. I I make I give my opinion based on knowledge and research, and I just don't see it happening. I don't think that they they can allow it to happen because the thing is. Even though Trump's not our guy, he's definitely not the establishment's guy, in my opinion, either. So they can't allow a legit election to take place because never mind Trump won in 2020. That's obvious to anybody who has half a brain. Yeah, that's right. It was. It was hijacked. And we saw exactly how they did. Diana has stated they showed us their playbook. We saw everything that they were doing. And, and then they go on these the, the Jewish controlled media and they tell you you're crazy because you don't believe that a senile old pedophile who didn't come out of his basement during the whole election season and shits in his pants and couldn't fill up the function room at the Olive Garden got more votes than uh, the first black president in history who the Jewish media sold to us as president of chocolate Jesus. I mean, get fucking real. Yeah, and yeah. and, that, and we're, we're completely nuts for thinking that. So, again, like I said, Trump is not our guy. But if they, there's no way that they could pull it off this time with a, with a fake hey, election. CB. It's just it's too obvious. What's up, Uncle Murray? Hey, CB, uh, he couldn't he couldn't fill a bathroom stall with George Michael in it. <laughs> in in a San Francisco nightclub at that. That's it. That's but, what I'm uh, talking about, brother. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's absurd. And and this was also during the fake COVID bullshit. Trump yeah. was filling stadiums with 60,000 people. Yeah, that's and true. And you, you asked me to believe that this this walking fucking retard corpse who shits in his pants, who's got a kid <laughs> who would make you know um, Lindsay Lohan look like an honor student, is he's the one he won with? with and there's no questioning this. I mean, it's not even yeah. it's not even like they'll they'll be the do the smart thing and say, well, you know, we looked at the votes, it was very close, but you know, Joe Biden came out ahead. They say no, he got more votes than anybody else in history, and it was the most secure election ever. Really. So, but Probably they know not. how stupid the average American is. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep. So that's why we decided not to vote this time. I mean, as, as part I, of our protest. I would well, say that, um, sorry, I'll just say a short comment here. Yeah. Um, Ezra Pound, you're the great American poet, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He put it this way. He says, democracy is Jew speak for country run by Jews. Mm-hmm. Well and I've, I've recently I've read an article or I don't know where I read this, but it was super interesting how democracy is actually the first step towards communism directly because democracy leads to socialism, which leads to communism. It's always going to be a lowering, a lowering, like we, you know, what you don't have, you take, or if you have, you get it taken from you. It's always this, you know, let's level the playing field. Let's, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, you know, we've been so indoctrinated to think that democracy is the greatest system on earth. I mean, all my life I thought that. And I always voted and then I ran in elections and all that stuff. Yeah. And then I woke up. <laughs> then I right. woke up. Right. Well, you know, Monica, the thing is, even even if it, it, you want to say that democracy is good, what is, what is the word? Let's let's dissect that for a moment. Democracy. Demos is the people and crassy is the rule. So you're it's allegedly ruled by the people. So ruled by majority. Well, never mind. The United States is founded as a republic. Now, Canada, you guys have a different system. You've got a British parliamentary system that that's a different thing. But yeah, the bottom line is, if you have 51 percent, then you have the majority. And majority yeah. rules in a, in a so-called democracy. So if you have 51% of the population are fucked up, degenerate, crazy lunatics that think that, you know, they were born in the wrong body gender-wise and they can poop in a box because they feel like a cat that day and maybe the next day they're, they're going to, uh, you know, go outside and lift their leg because they feel like a dog and want to wear a collar. These are the people who are voting. So if 49% are rational, you know, which we don't probably much less than that population, but if you got 51% of the degenerates are voting one way because these are truly low information people on top of being weirdos and degenerates and morons, then they get to decide whatever. So, well, we voted that, you know, we're going to throw the rest of you off a bridge because, you know, it's a democracy and that's that. And you're yeah, a threat of our democracy right. if you don't agree with it. So, yeah, when they say it's like Lucas Gage was saying, when they say we are a threat to the, their democracy, yeah, they're absolutely right. We're a threat to their Jewocracy because that's really what it is. Yeah. It's a Jewocracy. Exactly. It's not a democracy. Now, if it was all white people or all European, like let's say the way Sweden was prior to the 1970s, where basically everybody was Swedish, yeah, that could be a democracy, and that was different. They had some democratic socialism, and it worked more or less because everybody was Swedish. So in other words, if you had you know, one Swede in a wheelchair who wasn't capable of working, and you had seven Swedes paying into the system for every one Swede that was on disability, that was fine because they were all Swedes and they weren't taking advantage of it. But then all of a sudden when you have, you know, all these, you know, Somalis and all these other people coming in and bleeding the system who don't work, don't assimilate, don't learn the language and don't contribute, now it doesn't matter how many Swedes are paying into the system because the system's being raped. And it's the same thing here in the United States. And this is all this cloud piven shit. This is what these Jews have done. I'll tell you, listen, you know what, uh, Ford, Henry Ford fixed everything. If you, if you ever read about Fordlandia, it sounds wonderful. I wish I'd visited when it was actually running. But Henry Ford fixed everything, and these bastard Jews destroyed him. Of course. So that we couldn't have the America that we deserve. Just, I mean, just saying, it just makes me sick. Yeah, the only thing I'll say, like, in regards to all this stuff, like, let's say with Trump, and, and again, I'm not a Trumper. I voted for him in 2016. I did not vote for anybody in 2020, and I feel he's nothing but a phony and a con artist. The only thing I'll say with regards to as far as our movement is concerned is everything that's happening to Trump is showing the average moron that this whole system is just a scam from top to bottom. So whether it's your local police department Mm -hmm. and the local judge, when you get some bullshit speeding ticket or something, and they they basically tell you, shut up, you're guilty and pay, regardless of what the evidence says, 
all the way up. I mean, this asshole Engeron, this judge, who's a Jew, of course, imagine my shock. <laughs> and uh, you saw Jay, I don't know if you saw that when James O'Keefe cornered him in his gym. He says, we got to get rid of all these MAGA people. I mean, well, what does he mean by let's get rid of them? So what, yeah. they, we got to go to concentration camps? We have to be killed? What, what, what does he mean by get rid of them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, you don't have, the system doesn't um, acknowledge your rights. So in other words, all this stuff about the Constitution and all this stuff, it's all horseshit. And the Republicans are just as bad, if not worse, in many yes, ways. Yes, that's and right. Both sides, right. Both sides are full of shit, and both sides will cite the Constitution when it suits their needs. It's, oh, oh well, you know, the Constitution is, well, wait a minute, five minutes ago, you didn't give a shit about the Constitution. That's right. That's right. And all these, these, these things like the Patriot Act and all, that all passed, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago under Republicans. It was Republicans that were pushing all this shit back then. Not that I'm, I'm saying that the Democrats aren't worse, but this is the thing. At least with the Democrats, you know what you're getting. They, they go That's out there and right. the whitey it. bullshit all the time. That's right. Republicans will get up there with their nice, clean, polished suit. Oh, Mr. White, conservative, middle class, vote for me. I'm for you. I represent what, you, what you're for. And then they get elected and they either vote with the Democrats in their anti-white agenda, or they just sit there and lay down and play dead and let them walk all over and pass whatever they want. Like that piece of shit uh, I call Mitch the Bitch No Lips McConnell and yeah. his wife, uh, Chairman yeah. Chow. <laughs> so this is what you get. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah so it, That's it's my story true. and I'm sticking to it. Well, I, I appreciate that, CD, very, very much. That's a, right. a, extremely well put. Hey, did you hear about Chow's sister? Who, Who was that? Elaine Chow's sister. She died in some weird accident. Well, a Tesla backed into a lake or something like that, if you can believe that. <laughs> well, she's an idiot for having a Tesla. I mean, you know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so justice was served in that case, I suppose. But, you know, th- these things happen all the time with uh, with these weird dead. Like one of the Rothschilds, I think it was Jacob Rothschild, just up and died the other day at 87. I think there was probably more to it than we're being told because these people have all the money and the power. I mean, he had access to, you know, all kinds of medical treatments and things that we don't have access to in the general public. That's why slime balls like Henry Kissinger live to be over 100 and David Rockefeller and the rest of them. Um, so, you know, there's definitely – and these people kill each other all the time. You know, they don't, they don't just hate us. They hate each other just as much, if not more so, than they hate, hate us. These are gangsters, plain and simple. That's right. And I think that's a, a good thing. That And when things are getting really tense like they are now, that's when they really go after each other, when their that's infighting right. gets stronger and stronger. This is this is great for us. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, like I, the, telling, I like the infighting. <laughs> yeah, I was telling Dave Gahari and uh, some other folks last week, we, we got to encourage it every chance we get. And, you know, again, <laughs> I, I don't want to – I actually abhor – human suffering and violence but unfortunately this is what it takes for people to understand that they have been operating on the wrong thing you know if people would just make the choice to stop having wrong think and it's just very simple just you know do the right thing but they don't want to so unfortunately they have to do this it's the boot across the neck isn't it it's the boot across the neck that that uh will it in the end for for most people that is what will wake them up to to reality that right. Yuri Yuri Betzman of the KGB defector talked about, you know, the stages of sub- subversion and the demoralization, mm-hmm. and that m- most people will not see the truth, even if you lead them by the hand and mm-hmm. show right. them the facts, show them, they will not see it until the boot is literally on their neck or in their testicles. Mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're at that stage now, right? We're at that stage now when people are seeing their loved ones either dead or injured 
or they right. all, everybody knows somebody that's been affected by the the the, the Jew jab. The shot. Yeah, the Jew jab. The death jab. Yeah. Yeah. There was, was, matter of fact, Monica, I don't know if you you saw this. There was a Canadian actor. I didn't really know him. I just happened to see the blurb. He was apparently on some of the Star Trek shows that are you know the last couple of years. Yeah, I saw. The guy that, was, yeah. 40, yeah, 49 years old. You know that he was he was at least twice, if not three or four times, jabbed. And uh, he died of ALS, which is, you know, Lou Gehrig's disease. Now, I- I'm, not a, I'm not medically trained, but I've been in the insurance business for a long time. I've done thousands of medical insurance policies, Medicare stuff. I mean, I can just tell you, ALS used to be an extremely rare disease. I mean, like, let's say maybe mm. one in 100,000 people. It just wasn't common. People are getting diagnosed with it left and right. And especially it wasn't common amongst people, let's say, under the age of 50. Now, this guy, 49, okay, he's right on the cusp. But this is just not normal for these bizarre diseases. Or Creutzfeldt-Jakob is another one, the, the CJD. They call it mad cow. and thing. All these really god-awful things, or like what happened to Lori Kaufman, you know, brain cancer and stuff. That, that's just not normal five years ago, ten years ago, before all these shit shots got rolled out. And now it's happening to people left and right. Yeah. 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 It's uh, turbo cancers, and and mm-hmm. so the medical profession will go on labeling deaths with everything else, mm-hmm. and they will still not say it's a job. But the the big thing to look at is the overall death rate. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, right. yeah. Uh, look, we're we're at the top of the hour. We're just going to take a quick break, Monica. If you can stay, because I want we're going to. If you want, can you stay for a little bit? I will stay for a little bit into the next hour, yes. Yeah, okay, because we want to talk a little bit more. C- CB, you can stay too if you want, but I don't want to hold you up. No, hang out for a little bit. No, I, I don't want to bogart your show. Do what you got to do. Oh, okay, no, this is great. Okay. Um, all right, so we want to just take a, a break to show you that, again, um, Speak Free Radio is the one that posts this site here for us that we can be on. And they, um, Dave Gahari, thank you for that. And we're going to talk a little bit about Money Tree Publishing because they publish some really good books out there that we want people to know about. And uh, I have a few behind me here, if you can see them. And um, I'll be getting more. Myth the German Villainy, one of the, that's probably the first book you should have in your arsenal of books. In my camp, all these books are, are great books. I have a, I probably have five or six of these books right here mm-hmm. in front of me all ho- over here. And um, they're the book, best books you can get and the only place you're going to get them because you're not going to get these books on Amazon. That's, mm-hmm. that's the last place they're going to show these books. So uh, if you want to get some really good books in your library, here and you go. DVDs. Yes, they got DVDs. Uh, and the best DVDs that you can out get there, Greatest Story Never Told, Europa, those are probably the two sets of DVDs if you're going to use DVDs to watch. And also and, Hellstorm. Uh, it gets it, you yeah. initiated into what became World War II. Yeah. It's not what yeah, we're told. I, yeah. Some of those books I don't really know. I have I have that book, uh, David Duke's book. Um, anyway, but I, get, I get a lot of these books. And uh, my brother Joe had so many books like this. My goodness. But uh, I think like 95% of them were thrown out, <laughs> believe it or not. I think so. In the clean out. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, because we had nobody to take the books. Oh, what a shame. What a shame. What a yeah. shame. Yeah. Well, that happens. Unfortunately, uh, the mag, mag magnitude of the, of the uh, library that he had for someone to attempt to uh, collect and ship all of that would have been a Cost huge a lot, endeavor. Huge endeavor. I had, I, had a, I had a fellow call me one day. And he said he was, you know, getting rid of the, his library too. And he asked me if I wanted it. And I said, 
I have no place to put it. That's right. That's right. I got no place to put it, you know. And um, and my brother Joe had hundreds of books. Hundreds. Of, he spent a lot of money on yeah. books. I mean, he had every main book that you could have that had to do with any topic that was a good topic. I'm telling you, he had the book. And and he I, read I a lot of them. I mean, not not even scratching the the surface of all that he had, but he yeah. he, he that's what he did. Yeah. So well, anyway. Uh, let's move on here, uh, Monica. So we, we uh, maybe we could get back to you about Alfred. So yeah. now, now are you um, okay? Did you do interviews today with people? Yeah, we did. We did. Okay, we were who, on. Blo- we were on uh, Blood River Radio. We were on that okay. for two two out of the, their three okay. hours, and then we wow. were on uh, Frederick Blackburn's BB Nine uh, Blackbird Nine uh, The Snack Shack on um, RepublicBroadcast.org, but. Anyway, no, he's in he's in fine form. And you know, when he phoned me on February twentieth, and like he was picked up August twenty third. So I kind of did my calculations and figured, okay, February twenty third. But actually, technically February twenty second, because otherwise they'd be keeping him an extra day, right? Yeah. So then February twentieth, suddenly the phone rings and it's from Germany, and he's, it's Alfred, you know, and he says, "Hey, Monica, they want us to win." They let me out early <laughs> and I'm laughing my head off. And, and he says, uh, well, then I, you know, he said, yeah, it was two days or whatever, two or three days, however you calculate it. Right. But then he goes into the, I said, really? Like, how come they let you out? Like they never yeah. let political prisoners out no, early. They serve every second. Yeah. If, if you can call two days early, like that's not like if, what you normally call early is if you get let out half time or two right. thirds or whatever. That's right. what rapists and criminals and that's bad, right. bad criminals. That's what happens to them if, yeah. if they're on good behavior in jail. Right. But anyway, so he was explaining how, well, when you, you know, I was working seven days a week and somehow they calculated this. <laughs> I laughed my head off because he's working seven days a week like for months and yeah, somehow they calculate this against his, his exit time. And it's like two yeah. days. I, I laughed my head off about yeah. that. But anyway, he really, I mean, jail time was, this time was really pleasant for him because he was working in the greenhouse and the gardens. So he was, you know, eat, munching on, on uh, celery and sa- and lettuce and, <laughs> and carrots while he was working there seven days a week. It also meant he had less time to write letters. So anybody who is listening who might have sent him a letter and been disappointed not to receive a letter from Alfred, that is the explanation. Like he was working seven days a week in, in the, the gardens and the greenhouse. And I did say that to people in, in messages by email if, if they wrote to me and said, Oh, I'm really worried about Alfred. I haven't heard back from him. And I explained to them that he was working and he wouldn't have time and energy. Plus for a good chunk of time, he was in a cell with other people. Sometimes that was um, fine, but there was one that he was with that was actually a really dangerous psychopath. Mm -hmm. And he wrote a letter to his wife and said, bring this to the police or no, he says, if anything happens to me, bring this to the police and it was a letter talking about the psychopath, but of course he knows that the the jail guards they read the 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 letters, and so wow. they realize, oh, this is a serious situation. Okay. So they actually moved him. At that point, they moved him into his own private cell, and then he described it to me like he moved it. They moved him into a different part of the prison, and he act, had full view of the Alps. <laughs> so I call it the penthouse suite. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, so and and he also says that. 
and this is really true actually and and some great people and great writers and great thinkers like Alexander Solzhenitsyn has said this, and I think Adolf Hitler said this too, in times like this, in times of tyranny, the best people meet behind bars. And so Alfred was saying that too, that some of the people behind bars are the best people. Mm -hmm. He met some good people there. And he also felt that the all of them, including most of the guards, including most of the staff, were very, very respectful towards him. They They know he's right. Yep. Yep. They they know he's right. So why is he what? If you could answer that question, Monica, why was Alfred in prison this time? Yes, indeed. Okay. So just some background in case there's some listeners that don't know. First, he was in prison. He was in prison for four years, and that's for for words, for thought crimes, for speech crimes, and that's for not believing the lies that they've told us about the holohoax, the holocaust, this Mm -hmm. singular event that there's more and more museums for every single year, (laughs) and that they force, that force feed the children into learning about this fable about the six million, okay? And I know you talked about the six million earlier in your program. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was the original uh, four years. I mean, it, there was, there's more to it than that, but he was in jail for four years. He got out in, in July, uh, 2nd or 1st of mm-hmm, 2022, right. 2022. And then he was out for just over a year. And now there were some charges pending and this took a while to gr- grind their way through the system from his first jail. Uh, prison term when he was in the courtyard and there was a guard that didn't like one day when Alfred was describing to a fellow prisoner in the courtyard how high his dog Pavlov can jump so he was doing that nice nice salute which is the old Roman salute which says I come in friendship and peace see I, I bear no arms that's what it really is about and then it got the guard said something about, oh Hitler salute hey eh? Al Shafa and and the the Afghani co-prisoner there said immediately oh no he's just showing me how high his dog Pavlov can jump <laughs> <laughs> but, but the guard was some some guy who maybe wanted to get brownie points with his sounds like it Jewish yeah. bosses or whatever and and this all ground its way through the court system and then make a long story short on August 23rd of 2023 so last summer they picked up Alfred and threw him in jail for the six-month sentence that he had for doing that Roman salute mm-hmm. for a symbol for a gesture a body gesture that's not threatening mm-hmm. in a jail where I say if even if there was some kind of a crime who was the victim there was no victim of a crime there was no crime but anyway that's so that's what he got six months to be put in a in a cage for mm-hmm. for the symbol and I tell you folks that they are not slowing down with these crazy laws and crazy actions that they are taking against us. And that's why we say everybody must engage the system. This is what Alfred always says, engage the system, do whatever you can. It's not going to be identical to the person next to you, whatever they are doing, mm-hmm. engage the system. Don't cower. Don't be afraid because, and, and like Alfred describes it perfectly, you know, every, an Olympic runner started out as as a baby uh, crawling and maybe bumping into tables. You do something and you might get a bruise or you might get injured, but 
you engage the system, you, you practice, you do things and, and you will actually be very joyful and happy that you are doing that. Like none of us are depressed doing this. We are joyful and happy when we actually take actions, do things, don't be afraid. So no fear. for example, Occupied. that's right. That's right. Yeah. For example, when the RCMP hate crimes unit came to pay me a visit yeah. last September after, because, you know, in Canada now there's this new law. We talked about that a little bit earlier, didn't we? Anyway, so they came to visit me for contents on the Truth and Justice for German Society website. And that, I'll just tell you what that website is, all one word, truthandjusticefordgermans.com. People should look for those hate facts there. That's what the, the hate crimes unit of the RCMP, they spent two days, you know, paid for by all the, you know, the nice citizens of Canada with through your tax dollars, because one day here, one day back, to talk to me about that. And I said to them straight to their faces, I said, you know, <clears throat> you can put every single person in Canada in jail if you like, and it's not going to change what happened in history, is it? Or is it? Like, really? Like, tell me, am I missing something here? It make are, When you make these laws, these, like Alfred calls them, blots of toner on paper, is that going to change history? Like, really? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's what they're, they're doing. Trying they're trying to, yeah, they're trying to rewrite history. And I, I would say, you know, this, maybe just maybe this is something to try next time if they come back. First of all, the RCMP is a much gayer version than the, the FBI. That's mm -hmm. what I would say. Mm -hmm. But uh, tell them that you identify as, as a, a Somali, lesbian, trans, Jewish, uh, you know, and, and, Great idea. And, right, exactly. Just, and, Great and I, idea. I love it. You know what? That's a really good comeback. Just tell them you identify as one of these other, you know. And it's not just trolling. <laughs> I'll tell you, this is how stupid they are because this is the irrationality of the lunatics we face. Um, not that I'm a fan of Adam Carolla, but a, about a year or two ago, he was here with uh, there's this famous lawyer from Los Angeles who's not Jewish. He's, he's uh, Armenian. I can't think of his name right now, but he's pretty famous, Mark Garagos. So him and Mark Garagos were doing this uh, this comedy tour here in West Palm Beach. And Mark Garagos tells the story, and this is a true story. This is how stupid woke people are, is because when you they're confronted with the logic and the reality of their stupidity and how ridiculous they are, then they everything, their whole world shatters. So Mark Garagos has this client, or at the time had this client he was representing, who was charged with a burglary in you know some neighborhood in Los Angeles. And they're having the, you know, the, they before the, because the court system always wants to try to save if there's a trial, they can work out a plea deal or something. So the, the, the uh, L.A. County D.A. basically tells Mark Aragos, you know, we'll offer you, your client pleads guilty, you know, he can do two years of minimum security or whatever. He says, he says, you guys, you should just drop the charges because we're going to win the case. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? He says, uh, we got a stone cold defense. You, you can't beat it. He says, my, my client, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mop the floor with you guys in court. And then they, they look at each other like, well, what are you talking about? He says, my client identifies as the owner of that house. And these oh. idiot woke tards looked at each other like, holy shit. So here they're being faced with the stupidity of their woke <laughs> nonsense and how irrational it is. So now when facts come that it's not convenient for their bullshit narrative, their whole world shatters. And this, I do this all the time. I'll go into Bank of America and I'll start, our, you know, of course, they, they laugh it off and try to shoot me out the door. But I tell them, guys, I, I identify as, as having $10 billion in my bank account. What are you doing? You're supposed to put the $10 billion in my bank account. And we should all do that. We should just go in and start trolling all these gay, woke corporations and government entities and, you know, go into um, – 
uh, you know, Bentley dealerships and say, I identify as the owner of this brand new Bentley. Where's my keys? And just, just, just crash the whole goddamn system. I know it sounds funny. And it I is. Love it. It works. This is the in, insane stupidity of. So when, when the rubber meets the road with this, these idiots, they see how stupid their, their logic. It's totally illogical. It's nonsense. Right. You, 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 you smack them in the head with their own stupidity because shame and exactly. ridicule works. That's, That's why they fact. can't stand it. That's right. right. Monica, I want to ask you, was was Alfred in the same jail or same prison as he was the first time? No, so, no, okay. no, no. He was in a place called Bernau or Bernau. Mm-hmm. And so this was um, southeast, I think, of Munich, whereas before, well, the first very first prison was in Munich, then uh, Landau. Flansburg. Sorry, say again. Landsberg, sorry. Landsberg. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, 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 Landsberg. I got that mixed up with Bernau. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I understand. In Landsberg? That's he was in Landsberg. Yes. Yeah, exactly. In the right. first prison sentence af- uh, after the first the 20s. 18 months or so. Yeah. Right. First he was in Stadelheim. Stadelheim, yeah. Yeah. Munich, which is where I was right next door to that for the 10 months that I was in prison. It was the new women's prison, mm-hmm. which was just on the like in the next block away from the old Stadelheim men's prison. And Hitler also spent some time there, by the way. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, Landsberg. And this time it was Bernau, Bernau. So that's where he had his view. And after he got transferred into the the cell away from that psychopath who was trying to kill him, um, he had the view of the Alps. Actually, he was. Wow. Yeah. Excellent. Now, when he when he got out, what do, what do they tell him? Do they say? Oh yeah, that's a really good. I'm glad you're asking that question because yeah. I mean he's not here to talk right now, but I've heard the story a couple of times now, so I could. Okay, so in between his two jail stints, in that just over a year period of time that he was at home, he had to make monthly visit three of them one to the police station to say hi, I'm here, you know, just basically report in. Another was to what. I guess we would call probation officer. And the third was to the get out of the right, the extreme right wing scene. I guess in the old days they would call it the denazification mm-hmm, guy, mm-hmm. right? But this was now get out of the right wing scene guy. Okay, so Alfred, at first he was upset about all these conditions they were putting on him and the things they're making him do. But then he decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and run with it. These are going to be my go-to people. These are going to be my... Uh, my sort of contact people for the regime, you could say. And so each month when he went, he would bring them information. He would bring them all this stuff and basically lecture them. (laughs) And now if he was here, he would give you some examples of some of the things he was telling. Well, I know one of the examples was he brought them and he brought it to them, not just verbally, but on a, a flash stick, you know, a flash drive so that they would have it and they could show it to their bosses and whatnot. Some evidence about Larry Silverstein bragging about having the plans for the new One World Trade Center 17 months before 9-11, bragging about that and, and that, you know, all that stuff, that kind of stuff. He says, oh, and guess what? Munich Re, which is a reinsurance company. See, the Germans are always on the hook. So the Larry, lucky Larry, he gets his billions of dollars uh, insurance payout, but guess who pays in the end is the Germans because there's a this big insurance company called Munich 
re or re, reinsurance, whatever they reinsurance is where the real money is, Monica. Not not to not to cut you off, but that's something a lot of the general public doesn't know. And I've been in insurance for a long time. The reinsurers oh. are the big, 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 big money. I mean, billions, perfect, upon billions, and exactly. it all is in places like Germany and Schweizland and all these, you know, Switzerland. Okay, but so so the thing out. is. Yeah, the thing is, they were insuring the other insurance companies, so they Correct. were then paying, yes, paying us does, out. Yes. And it was just a few blocks away from where Alfred was visiting these officers every every month. And he said, hey, it's just mm-hmm. around the corner. Now you know. Now you are responsible. You have to take this to your boss. You are now responsible. So he would approach these meetings with that kind of an attitude. He was basically converting them. Instead of them converting him into a nice little communist, <laughs> he was right. going to turn them into a nice little, uh, quote, unquote Nazi (laughs) but anyway then okay so what happened so one day before he was released from this prison stint he gets a visit by the police officers and at first he's kind of worried he said because he always had this in the back of his mind that maybe they're going to hang something else on him and in in jail right Right. you never know that you're going to get out until you're actually out you don't want to (laughs) <laughs> count your you know chickens, chickens yeah. before they're yeah. hatched or whatever so anyway no they were asking him if he's been um if he's had some insights and basically if he's reformed are you have you reformed yourself or whatever <laughs> and, sure. and, and then he explained very nicely to them how he's he's well, he could have said it so much better, but basically, yes, he's, he's, he has all the insights. He will never, um, do a treasonous action. He will never, you know, um, uh, fail to assist somebody in need or he will never, you know, not tell the truth, whatever, all these things that are actually true to his integrity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then he gets out and, and just a few days ago, he gets this yellow envelope in the in the mail. And as he puts it at first, you know, you kind of get nervous when you see this yellow envelope, but it's always from the, the, the prosecutor, right? This certain envelope that he's already come to recognize. And, you know, he's, oh, okay, nervous a little bit. He opens it up and it, the envelope, basically the letter says that um, he's, he's uh, in, in, unfixable uh, that's probably not the, the right words but there's no hope there's no hope to kind of fix fix the problem of he, Alfred incorrigible. so incorrigible so he does not have to come anymore to these meetings <laughs> <laughs> anyway so yeah it's hilarious he'll have to tell the story to you himself because there's lots more details here that i'm missing but i've kind of given you a bit of a, a snapshot a nutshell and and no, he's he's in good spirits. He's doing well, and he, he's incorrigible, as they say. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't yeah. have to carry on with these meetings to the. I think they're afraid of him or something. Like he was basically converting them. He, they're afraid right. of him. They don't want it. They don't want to engage with him anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's gonna he's gonna continue on talking or whatever. I mean, is he is he restricted from using the internet? No, because he was. On oh the God, internet. no. Okay, well, he's so gonna he, even if they told him something like that. He, I mean, he's he's got a computer. Like, who knows? I mean, you know, they did many house raids on him, and they always stole things from him in the past. So you don't want to say. But the thing is, his attitude is, like I said earlier, his attitude is, you know, I break every thought law as often as I can. It, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we all have to do this, and this is not to be somehow 
uh, what's the word? It's not to be foolhardy. It's or right. anything. No, we're we're fighting for our lives here. Mm-hmm. We are fighting for our very existence. And also, when people say, "Oh, well, is there any hope? Is there? It's just all gloom. We're we're done." No, you're not done. We're not done until the last one of us takes our last breath. We are not. We have not lost this, and we absolutely have to all stand up. I mean, there's just. Uh, we cannot say it more emphatically than that. We have to engage. We have to do something. We cannot cower. We cannot live in fear. And I'm telling you, when you do this, you actually, like I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. You, you it gives you joy. It gives you a, a joie de vivre. Like you, you want to live. You want to. It gives you zest for life. When and you all know it, right? All of all of you who are here well, on the, this call. The, the, the thing, the thing with me is, Monica. I've been doing that, and they haven't arrested me yet. Um, I want to get arrested. Why don't you come? <laughs> You, you guys, I want you to come out, but you don't come after me. I mean, you just leave me alone to say because you'll be more trouble than you're worth. Yeah, yeah. They right. don't want. They don't want. You know, that's 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 why they never well, no, went after I mean, David Icke for all the, the things he wrote in his books. He would well, tell no, in his books. He would yeah. say, "Sue me," you know, George Bush or, but he would accuse politicians and things of 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 the pedophilia and things that we know is happening. And they never would come after him because they didn't want Who's to have that? a trial. Right? Who's that? I didn't catch the name. Uh, David Ike would do, would do that. In oh, his okay, okay, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I find, here's what I find. <clears throat> okay. I'm retired. So it's a whole different ballgame for a guy like me because, uh, you know, they, they aren't going to come after a guy like me because there's, there's no way that they're going to have leverage on me. You know, I, you know, there's really no leverage because I'm not working not financially. Right? Yeah. So they stay away because they, there's no leverage. When they know they can take something away from you, that's what they do. See, that's that's when they win over you. But if there's no leverage, then they they don't care. So that's what I find. Well, eventually they're also. This is like the the, the old uh, meme or whatever you want to call it, the snake eating its tail. So you know you got these idiots like uh, Jordan Peterson up there in Canada. He's he's another <laughs> idiot who's carried more you know water for the the Jews than could fill ten mikvahs. You're absolutely right. Right, and look how they're throwing him under the bus. I mean, wasn't he supposed to report uh, for some kind of you know concentration camp in Alberta or something for? Yeah, for two like weeks a re, re, re-education, re-education right. camp. That's true. That that's a good way of putting it because he definitely is is you know he 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 sucks up to the. I mean, he went to Israel, gave that speech, and I mean he's just totally oh, he's, one he's, of them. Yeah, he's totally it, one of them. But yeah. but this is the snake eating its tail. That's a very good yeah. analogy. I love that. And and Alfred, I'll just add one. And he used to draw a lot of pictures in letters in for, especially his first jail stint when he had time to write letters. And he had some memes that he drew. And one of the memes was the snake eating its tail. And on the belly of the snake there would be all these worms attached. And those worms are the Shabbos Goy or the Shabbat Goy, mm-hmm. the, those of the Gentiles who are, like in the says in the protocols, the you know the, the Goyim will become agents of their own destruction. Those who are totally indoctrinated and, and totally mm-hmm. working for, for the Jews in the system, and some mm-hmm. of them knowingly and some of them unknowingly, right? But those are right. the worms, the spineless worms, like total spineless worms. And there, like there my are, local I'm, Florida rep, Mike Caruso, who, you know, along with Randy Fine, the only Jewish Republican in the Florida legislature, introduced that HB 269 bullshit. I mean, this, this guy, he, he wears a yarmulke. I'm like, you're Italian, dude. What the fuck are you doing with a yarmulke on your head, you fucking idiot? <laughs> well, he's not, not, he's not a real Italian, is he? No, of course not. 
I guess he eats kosher cannolis. I think his wife is Jewish, named Jew. But I mean, th- this is the, the stupidity of these fucking uh-huh. people. You're selling out your own kind, you dumb fuck. <laughs> so, so Monica, well, do you, you know do you have uh, any anything's coming up interviews or anything more going? I mean, um, geez, I don't know. I I better check my calendar. We were wondering about when was the next German. Yeah, I was just going to ask the next judge. Oh, okay, yeah, for Germany. Yeah, towards the end of the month. Towards okay. the okay. end of the month. Yeah, and you guys, you're you're invited. You're invited. <laughs> Not to worry. You'll get the link. You'll get okay, the link. Right. No, and, I, and then I, I, I go on. I go on Blood River Radio almost every Saturday. So I've sort of been. Oh, become, you, you kind of like co-host. I've, I've become a co-host. Oh, good. Yeah. good. And Nancy Hit as well. She's dynamite. And um, uh, Gene Andrews, he he is a great historian and ran ran what's his last name? Ran Owens, I think, is his name. And yeah. he is also really great. So they they talk a lot about um, you know the Confederate States yeah. issues. And Nancy yeah. Hit is a, is really great on history. Have you ever spoken to Michael Gaddy? I haven't spoken directly with him, but I've heard him a because, few times. Well, he's he's really big in in that Confederate mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, really, really big. So I, I mean, yeah. I don't, you know, I was, in fact, I was supposed to. You know, it's funny. Well, it's not funny. The day I was going to interview him was January thirtieth, right? Oh yeah. At, at two o'clock, two o'clock, and my brother died quarter or two. Yeah. I mean, I, I I didn't interview him, but isn't that weird? You know, I was yeah. supposed to interview him at uh, at two o'clock. I caught, you know, I said to him, you know, I you know got an issue here. You know, what I'm saying That's you explained what goodness. was going on. What's that? Didn't you explain to him what was going on? Well, I just said I, I'm not going to yeah. interview you today. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's it. almost two o'clock, but it's quarter two. I get the message, and I you know, I just I, I wouldn't We're not right, do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but Michael Gaddy is, I've been listening. He does, he does a podcast and um, they're really good. I mean, he, he Oh talks, yeah. He's very, I mean, very, very, very knowledgeable. Excellent, excellent uh, stuff about the South and how yeah. basically um, the North were the bad guys. I mean, <laughs> the North. That's it, right. It was, just, it was all. I think, you know, Columbus. I didn't. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln yes. was a communist. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't know any of these things about the Confederacy mm-hmm. or this, you know, all that stuff like this, the, the things we learned in school very much, uh, we were lied to just like we were lied to about Germans. And so yeah. the, the Southern States, the Confederate States, they were, it's, it's comparable actually to yeah, how the Germans have been lied about mm-hmm. and, and everything turned upside down what we were taught about them. You know, I, I kind of had this impression it wasn't sort of anything concrete, but I was left with this impression that the South in the States is just a bunch of very primitive hicks. Right. <laughs> like that's what, that's how they, right. they taught us. That's how they taught us. That, well, and now they like that, Monica, because they've been brainwashing their education system. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. I live in the South too, Diane. Diane, <laughs> Diane, do you have to go? No, no. I, I want to d- defend. Uh, I've been in Texas uh, for almost 40 years, and Texas was a Confederate state. Yeah. And, sure. and the, the issue, uh, maybe, maybe uh, there's been such a demoralizing. You, know, you start taking down the statues Destroyed and the, the things that mean a great deal to yes. you, yes. changing the flag because That's you don't right. want to have the Confederate flag flying. 
The only way you can see the Confederate flag in Georgia is to watch Matlock repeat reruns. Right, right. Um, well, Nikki Haley is the one who took it down from South Carolina. That I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised. And, and that that's absurd. Jim and I have talked about, you know, that the North had had slaves and they mistreated mm-hmm. the blacks right. way more than the South. They were better off in the South on the plantations because they were being taken care of and not being taken advantage of. And slavery yeah, no, was in the process of being basically yeah. um, no longer an issue because of the of the, the industrial cotton, revolution. Yes. Right, right. Correct. No, it was That's it was correct. a bait and switch. And the, the Civil War is never about slavery; it's about state rights. Well, it was also manipulation right. on both sides because you had Lincoln yeah. was clearly a communist, and he was being having his strings pulled by the Jew bankers in London and whatnot. But also was the case in the South. There was this guy Judah P. Benjamin who held right. various uh, posts in the Confederacy. He was the Confederate Secretary of State, and then some other things. He was basically the manipulator for the Rothschilds of the South. Right. And my understanding is him and Jeff Davis actually were basically had a had a homosexual relationship. Lincoln was also a homosexual from a lot of things that we've seen. Um, there, he was this senator that he had he would exchange love letters with, and supposedly they lived together and they would sleep in the same bed and all. This. I mean, this is like the, the stuff that history has has been you know we've been denied the knowledge of. It's it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and we won't make those mistakes if we were taught that stuff in school, but they taught us garbage. It's called stalking yeah. point, right? And they have no correlation in real history. So, the vilification. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, carry on. But the South was basically fighting for independence is what happened. They declared right. independence, and they basically said, leave us alone. Yeah. And Lincoln said, we're fighting this war to preserve the Union, which essentially he was denying them their right under the Constitution to secede and form their own nation, and he forcibly kept them in the Union. And that, and that yeah. something? We need to go back to doing Bellamy, Bellamy salutes. I want to say, Monica, you're absolutely right. The Bellamy salute, that was the salute that, you know, your neighbor's taking care of you. You need to return to good neighbor policy, right? Because once you have to start to pay for security, you have to pay for it forever. Mm. The good neighbor. Well, everyone in Germany should, should teach their dog to do the, the salute. So <laughs> I heard this from Harry Cooper years ago. Listen to this, Jim. I don't know if Harry, you ever heard this from Harry Cooper. He thought there was one of this uh, uh, German guy was a member of the uh, the group. He had taught the dog, he would, they would say to the dog, Hauptsturmführer, which means like be the Fuhrer. And the dog would sit up, nice German shepherd would sit up with his, his chest stuck out and he would raise his right paw out. And, you know, everybody would get a chuckle out of it. Well, one day there's a knock at the door and guess who it is? It's the Bundesnachkarkendienst because this guy taught his dog to stick his right arm out. I mean, this is the kind of horseshit. You've got terrorism, you've got, you know, the rapes, all kind of horrible shit that's going on in Germany. And the, the National Intelligence Service is knocking on the door of good, hardworking, decent German taxpayers because they taught their dog to stick his right arm into the air and laugh about it. I mean, this is the insanity of these lunatics. Even, I don't even think that went on in, in East Germany. That's how crazy things are now. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're right. You're right that things are much, much, much worse yeah. now in the Western countries than in East Germany. I'll give you another example of that. In East Germany, they did not imprison anybody over 80. Or mm-hmm. if they turned 80 in jail, they would release them. In West Germany, what do they do? They put 95 or 98-year-olds in yeah, jail yeah. just because they were a pencil pusher in one of the camps during the right. war. Right. Yeah. And, and I wanted to just make a comment about the vilification of the South just like the vilification of the Germans. So do you remember during the truckers' convoy and when the truckers arrived in Ottawa, one of the first things that the media dutifully reported on was, oh, there's somebody with a 
a, a flag with a swastika and there's another flag with a confederate it's a confederate flag so they put those two things together the swastika flag mm. and the confederate flag both of them equally evil mm. this is how they demonized these two you know separate entities the the confederate states and the you know national Soci socialist germany time so th that shows you their their narrative they you know they turn everything upside down and that's how they um yeah they showed it right there at the in ottawa i mean those were provocateurs that was done for right. show right oh yeah they did that on purpose yeah 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 i don't know if you, uh, cb you ever if you ever watch uh walk and talks or any of my videos yeah. i actually put I up I, I, well if you smiley if you dog well, I love smiling right. dog. If you watch the beginning of the video, oh, you're going right. to see we have a cat that stands up. Yeah. And so oh, yes. Yeah. And you play Erica. I, I, yeah. <laughs> love, love it. Love it. Yeah, the little the little marmalade cat. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah. yep. So you know, if my if my video ever gets to Germany, <laughs> yeah, they're going to not be too happy about that. But <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, the the the. Um, the, the Civil War was very interesting in what happened there. And, and the the blacks would have been better. See, what happened with the blacks, they were better off where they were. Once once they were, were set free, they, they had nothing. Mm -hmm. they, they, they didn't know how to – they had no job. They they had no skills. Uh, they, they had a place to live. They had a house – Oh, I mean, roof over the head. They had food. They had clothes. I mean, sure, they were working on a, on a on plantation. A yeah, I mean, but but the point is, everything was fine for them. Once they released them, they had nothing, and a, a lot of them had to get into criminal activity, steal food from people, and that's why you know they were doing things that weren't right. And but they had no food, so they would steal off of somebody's farm or whatever, and then they would arrest them. And they got thrown. Guess where? They, that's where Angola prison started. And it started right after the Civil War. They had to put the blacks that they caught uh, stealing and this and that. And that's where the KKK, KKK originated at that time because the KKK was concerned about uh, these that's blacks correct, yeah. that were going out and committing crimes, uh, you know, <clears throat> doing things to, to the white farms. So that's what happened. Well, Lincoln want actually wanted to send them back to Africa, Jim. That was part of the reason I think he was assassinated because it was uh, when they mm -hmm. killed him, the war was already over. The, basically, the, the South was already on the verge of surrender and all. There was no need to kill him at that point. Right. I think I believe that the Rothschilds were basically behind that in order to keep the blacks from being shipped back to Africa. That was what his plan was: was to send them to Liberia. He was at, he would hold all throughout the war. He would hold meetings with the American Colonization Society and these different you know black leaders and like Frederick Douglass and all, and talk about how we're going to send the blacks back to Africa. And he used to give speeches where every second or third word out of his mouth was the N-word. He had no love for black people. This, this is another myth. Monica, I would, like, I would like to read something. And you yeah. all know the name Albert Schweitzer, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was sure. a, he was, he helped, he went to Africa. I think he spent many years there, didn't he, to help, help the yeah. people there. So he's, He's a big name in terms of, I don't know, philanthropy or whatever, however you want to say it. But here's something that he himself said. This is really, well, this really is interesting. Part. I've heard this, this before, but go ahead. Okay. I'm, quote, Albert Schweitzer said, a quote, I have given my life to try to alleviate the sufferings of Africa, something that all white men that have lived there, like I, 
must learn and know. These individuals are a sub-race. They have neither the intellectual, mental, or emotional abilities to equate or share equality with the white man in any of the functions of our civilization. I have given my life to try and bring unto them the advantages which our civilization must offer. But I have become well aware that we must retain this status. We, the superior, they, the inferior. For whenever a white man seeks to live among them as their equals, they will either destroy him or devour him, and they will destroy all of his work. Let the white men from anywhere in the world who would come to help Africa remember that you must continually retain this status, you the master and they the inferior, like children that you would help and teach, never fraternize with them as equals. So you see, that sounds kind of like, oh, racist, right? Like what they would call racist. But this was Albert Schweitzer, who went there and dedicated his life to helping them. These are the conclusions he reached. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of money and got, and, and the result was that uh, his lessons did not hold. Was that Albert's fault or was that the fault of the population? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're beyond help, basically, is, is, is what, yeah. what the conclusion they came One to. Of the- and they actually benefited from colonization. You know, all, the, all these buildings and universities and all the medicine and, I mean, all the blacks benefited from, from the white man's colonization. Essentially, you know, we, we, we uplifted their society. We're not benefiting from them colonizing our countries. It's the opposite. No, it's cannibalizing. It's cannibalizing. Exactly. Right. It's entropy. Right. Yeah. Well, so we, we know from uh, Israel Cohen 1913 quote that uh, I don't have that one in front of me. I could find it, but I'll just right. paraf- paraphrase it. Program for the 20th century. Yes, exactly. That we will raise the blacks by promoting them in the sports and in the, in the professions. Uh-huh. We will also inculcate in them a hatred of the whites and may, you know, blame the whites on everything. And in the whites, we will put the guilt and bring, you know, bring them down so that we, we, uh, um, kind of, e- yeah, equal, equalize them and, and then they will intermarry and that will serve our program and our program being communism. Well, that's, and co- that's called the clergy plan too, but right. Yes. <clears throat> well, that's what they want. They want to deracinate and destroy everybody and anyone who's not a Jew and they've got a plan to do this. It's not do, after, if they ever succeed with whites, they're probably going to move on to East Asians next because they're the ones who have the uh, next highest IQs and the next high, you know well uh, achieved societies and things like that. And I think probably you know maybe not a lot of them, but a lot of the higher ups in the imperial Japanese leadership understood that, and that's why they were on board with the Germans in World War II. And they, they were like, yeah, we don't want this shit either because we know it'll happen to us after it's done happening to you. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a comment here that would be very offensive to blacks, though. What Schweitzer said. Well, yeah, of course it is. Well, it, it, it it's true. Other people have come up with the same conclusion, including in some various tribes. They have no word for future. They have That's no right. way of dealing with tomorrow. Right. They don't have vocabulary for those kinds of ideas, even. Right. So um, they can't conceptualize. I, I know that a, f- a few years back, the the Barnes Review, they had a special issue where they had some old letters and old reports from the days of just just after, you know, the slaves were set free. And and 
many of the slaves themselves or their descendants wrote about it. And these paint a very, very different picture from what were shown in the Hollywood movies, mm -hmm. where they just show, oh, the white man is just beating on them and whipping them and evil and just being so cruel. Where No, many of these slaves didn't want to leave their masters or That's their right. where they were living. They didn't want to leave. They didn't know how to actually fend for themselves and that their relationship with the family wherever they were living was very good mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they were provided for it was like they were basically like servants yeah. but they were i guess it's still called slavery well what do we have today what do we have today i would say i mean there's That's plantation more... earth yeah, yeah you, got it right. you got it right it's completely inverted first you know back then we were integrated Imagine that. We were integrated naturally and normally, and everything was fine. And what they did was they, they played the Othello game, black versus white, right, with them in the shadows, the invisible Jew. All right, you know, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But it's the same game each and every time because they're one-trick ponies, and we got them now, right? They're well, also time uh, They've yeah. also lied about the history of it. Like, I don't know if you you know this. The, the most I, I learned this from Dinesh D'Souza made a movie about 10 years ago, and I'm not a real Dinesh D'Souza fan because he's a full of shit, you know, mainstream conservative, but he does put some good stuff in his in his movie. So there was a movie he made about 10 years ago. I think it was called 2016 Obama's America. And yeah. uh, he shows you in that movie how, and I already knew about this, but he kind of goes into detail about it. The most feared slave owner in South Carolina during the time of the Confederacy was a black man. He was born on a plantation. He came to own that plantation and get his, his freedom upon his master's death. He was the master's favorite. And I guess the master had no children, no white children to leave the plantation to. So he left it to his favorite slave, who was this black guy who was born on the plantation, became a slave owner. And he was more ruthless than white slave owners and engaged in practices that white slave owners would wince at, like whipping the blacks constantly, forced marriage to try to create, like, so in other words, he would take the strongest black male slave and the strongest female black slave and forced them to marry and have children even if they didn't want to or they were in love with other people and you know all forced breeding and things like that really bad stuff and this guy was a staunch supporter of the confederacy and the, the whole thing but you don't hear that in school when you go to school it's oh oh the confederates were all evil and whipping the blacks like you said you know what's your name boy jordy laforge i i, I mean uh, your name is so toby <laughs> right, right. Well, I say Jordy because he was or he was on uh, Star Trek, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, and then, and then you know all the all the all the uh, all the angelic that Abraham Lincoln, the angel with the wings, came with the 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 uh, you know um, the uh, Northern Army, and they they saved everybody. Uh, General Sherman was a butcher. I mean, he burned Atlanta to the ground in the march to the sea. I mean, they they completely destroyed everything. They committed war crimes. This was what the North did. And these were, they were doing this to fellow Americans. This is awful. But they don't tell yeah. you that. Yeah. They, people don't understand that um, the North, when, when, in, in Missouri, they came into Missouri, and they, um, you know, they, they actually captured, I guess, some, uh, some soldiers. And they, they executed them without a trial. They just, they just shot them, lined them up and shot them because they blamed them for a killing of like a high ranking. Uh, Are you talking Northern. about Confederate soldiers? Yeah, yeah. He, they, the North c uh, captured the Confederate soldiers and they put them on trial. They didn't put them on trial. They just they executed them yeah. because yeah. they they blamed them for a, a killing that they didn't do of of, of a high, high ranking Northern sol soldier, whatever he was. 
uh, commissioned soldier, whatever. And no trial, no nothing. They just they brought him out and just shot him. You know, and this you could. There's so many stories. That's what Mike Gaddy brings all these stories up. There's so many stories of the North going in, you know, into these southern states and just murdering everybody. I mean, for no reason. They just they just shot them and killed them. And the, and women, they didn't care. It's it just really bad. Well, you know, another thing too, Jim. Yeah. A lot of the the Confederate leadership, like Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee, and those guys, they were morally opposed to slavery. Actually, Stonewall Jackson was known because he was such a Bible believing Christian to to make speeches where he condemned slavery. But they fought for the South because they were sons of the South and they were loyal to the, the whole their Southern tradition. And these guys were some of the best educated. See, like now we think of the the, the Southern redneck, you know, uneducated, toothless guy in the trailer park. Okay. But that's because of all the the trashing of the culture. Excuse me. I know Diane's offended, <laughs> but the uh, but this is but the truth is the South wasn't like that back then. They, they were like mm-hmm. if you like especially if you watch these movies like Gone with the Wind. That's, that's right. an accurate portrayal of it how is. they were. Everybody you know, knew, they knew Shakespeare, and you know they were all the men were gentlemen and the ladies were ladies. It was mm-hmm. it was very different. But they've trashed the culture. Like the Jews have trashed the culture. Yeah, that's true. And one of the things is that we. I felt that um, Lincoln was assassinated because he had avowed to not be hard on the South. And his uh, vice president, Johnson, was impeached because he would not be mm-hmm. difficult in the uh, Reconstruction era. And so they were they were both either killed or... Uh, well, they tried to kill Johnson. That's a whole other... Like Dave um, okay. McGowan did a lot of work. That was what he was working on right before he died, poor guy, Dave McGowan. He was working on the Lincoln assassination. So apparently, and I saw this years ago, apparently the night Lincoln was killed, Andrew Johnson, the vice president, was attacked, and he had he had suffered a very bad concussion. He beat his head in, but he survived. Mm-hmm. And basically, there was... Uh, uh, the guy who shot Lincoln uh, Booth had a, a password to get across the Navy Yard Bridge into Maryland. And, I mean, wh- and they, they had basically at a certain time, I guess at sunset, they would lock all the bridges down. You couldn't cross into Virginia or Maryland. Well, he had a password, and they told the the, uh, the officer or the soldiers guarding the bridge, if somebody gives you this password, you let them go through. I mean, does, does that not speak of an inside job? Does. So it was basically Lincoln's own cabinet, particularly Stimson, who was the Secretary of War, who was most likely behind it. And they also tried to get rid of um, Lincoln's uh, secretary of state, who was Seward, the guy who bought Alaska from the Russians. They, he was very close with Lincoln and he was one of Lincoln's closest advisors. They did. There was a whole bunch of shit that went on. It was just, this was going back then. A lot of this information came out in the early 20th century. They just don't talk about it. Yeah. We need to start talking about it. Don't we? Right, of course. Well, there's a lot of people that say that it wasn't that uh, Booth didn't die either. That it was another guy that died. At, uh, they called it Garrett's Farm. It's in Virginia, where they it was in this barn and they burned the, the Union soldiers burned the barn down. The uh, a lot of people said that he survived and he went to England later on, came back and he lived uh, he lived in um, like northern Alabama or southern Tennessee and he used to keep this uh, little Derringer gun wrapped up in a terry cloth and kept it in the wall and when people would come over he took the name John St. Helens now we don't know if this is true or not but there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to support this 
he would, let's say, uh, get to know somebody and they'd be having a whiskey and he'd say, you want to see the gun that killed Abraham Lincoln? And he would reach in the wall and he'd pull out this little derringer wrapped in a terry cloth and show it to people. And he bore a striking resemblance to John Wilkes Booth. And Booth actually came from a very famous acting family. They were like, you know, the Hollywood stars of the day. They were all in plays and things like that. And this uh, asshole that used to be the prime minister of England is uh, Tony Blair. That was, you know, the big globalist who ushered in all these uh, immigration policies 20, 25 years ago in the late 90s, early 2000s. His wife, I think they're divorced now. His wife was named Sherry Booth Blair. She is a direct descendant of John Wilkes Booth. These people are all intermarried with each other. and She's supposedly some kind of renowned human rights lawyer. It's all in the family. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot lot of history. You know, we just don't get. I mean, you know, nobody, well, nobody understands it. And uh, what they don't teach that in grade school, <laughs> <laughs> nothing yeah. we're taught, right? Nothing yeah. we're taught is yeah, every, true. Everything's a lie. Every That's right. If you assume that, it's very liberating. And you, you can pursue the information yourself, like what Jim's doing, listening to this Gaddy person. And I never refer to it as a civil war. It's always a Northern oh, War of aggression. Right. And it's yeah, not. The the, he said, "Gone with the wind" is a very good depiction of of the way things were, and it's uh, particularly of how the South was treated by the North and how the Jews descended upon mm-hmm. the Southerners, and then of course the taxes were raised, and so they were disenfranchised of their property, mm-hmm. their plantations, and so now the South is a real cesspool. Because Jim also watches <laughs> these travel shows, and when you go to the Deep South, like Mississippi yeah. and Arkansas, even. Um, Louisiana, for Pete's sakes, and th- there's almost nothing to recommend them. And so the South has not improved since uh, 1865. Yeah. Now, didn't didn't they? Um, uh, or don't they want like Gone with the Wind? They don't like people seeing that movie, right? They, At they, one time, they were threatening to remove it from the shelves. I bought up five and give, gave each one uh, to my kids. On the because of this, right? But does a play does a play today on TV, or did they completely do it over or something? I don't know. I uh, know, but there's a real dis- disclaimer at the beginning of the movie okay. regarding the slavery issue. Okay, yeah, well, no, but but the thing is, it, it portrays it the way it should be. Yeah, but they don't want you to see the way it should be. Right, no, right, right, and that's what bothers me. It's like. Why? I mean, why don't you just tell the truth? I mean, if if it's good or bad, people aren't going to get mad. They're going to just say, oh, okay, I'm glad I know how it happened. But no, we don't want you to see the way it happened because we want to portray it the way, you know, we're going we're gonna to portray it. There's another agenda that's attached to it. It's a means of control. That's what yeah, it is. That's right. It is. Well, it's like it's if you saw uh, Jared Taylor, I think you posted that, his video last week about the, the shot spotter system. Now, I'm against that stuff because it's it feeds the police state, but it they don't they're not opposing that because they don't want a police state. They don't want people to know that basically it's blacks and browns that commit the majority of these shootings when they're not shooting each other, they're shooting other people. Yeah. And so they've got to that goes against the narrative that white people are the problem, which is funny because all these blacks and browns always seem to want to live in our countries in our neighborhoods. You would think logically, if we're the problem, they would want to move as far away from us as possible, like go back to Africa or all these other places. But no, they always want to come and be with us, even though we're the evil racists and we're the mm-hmm. problem. 
So they don't want the, the truth because, again, it counters the narrative. Uh-oh, you know, um, we, we see who's actually causing the problem here. It's not, you know, the hillbilly with the hunting rifle in, you know, living in the mountains in uh, in uh, Kentucky. It's actually, you know, the, the vibrant city life that's causing all the crime and the violence. I just well, want to know read. The movie Deliverance is an insult to the Yeah, South, that is. Okay? It is pretty insulting. And, and, and those those four those four the four actors should have been four city slickers because of course four country boys survived would have survived, right? But four city well, who slickers made the movie, Uncle Murray? Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, who made <laughs> right, I'm saying who made it? It comes yeah. out of Holly Jew, you know, so right. yeah, exactly. that's right. That's I just want to read the quote there that only whites get the blame when whites were minimally involved in slavery. And I'll just add to that, that it's whites that have abolished slavery. Like it's white people who worked to end slavery. We have this thing called empathy and in a higher dose than other races do. And so we're always taking care of things and taking care of people and empathizing. And that's what they've turned against us. That's the Jews have weaponized that that wonderful quality against us because then they get us volunteering to, to show these new, new people around these new, you know, invaders show them around. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's the the crux of it. You got that right. Absolutely. Well, we'll get, we're coming to the end. I don't know. um, I had a video. I was going to play at the end of this. Oh Um, yeah. I noticed that. Is, is she playing it? Well, I, we're going to play because I think it's about four minutes long, uh, three okay. or four minutes long. Good. Good. But you might you might find it interesting. So, look, I want to thank everybody for being on tonight. Monica, thank you. CB and yeah, uh, Uncle Murray, thank you. Uh, thank you. Made, you. You made a very interesting show. Absolutely. So, you know, we'll be back next week, same time, 8 o'clock uh, uh, Eastern time. Diane will be back down here at that point. Yes. And uh, we'll go from there. So I thought you might uh, like to see this video here. It's not that long, but it's interesting. So let's uh, play the video and this will just uh, uh, end our show for tonight. Okay, folks? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank now, you. you know, I have no professional training of singing. What the fuck that mean? I, I may not be the best singer uh, um, around the world, but I know that I, I sing from my heart. They think we're bad guys That doesn't worry me Cause Jewish lies have Made their minds blurry it's our job to warn people about Jews before the walls come crashing down around us and we lose it all. You might see some Jew lovers, I and you. You might see some Jew lovers who think they're above you, but don't be afraid to let them know they're It's okay to be happy Cause Jews hate it when they See white men laughing This clown world's full of lazy Self-hating, pathetic nerds For 
it fires up Cause we're spreading the word You'll see some true lovers Zionists I see those true lovers And that's why I'm flying So don't be afraid Go out and Let them know 